You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Monday show, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Hope everybody had a great weekend. We are now heading into week three of Seahawks training camp, and they held a mock scrimmage at Lumen Field yesterday. Rob, you and I switched roles a little bit, you being the one that was at the facility for the event. So we're going to break down some observations from that mock scrimmage in the second quarter we're going to kickstart with some injuries, and I sat down with Kate Johnson, the undrafted rookie out of South Dakota State, I'm going to share a portion of that interview to close out the show. You won't want to miss it. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight in every game, team, and move around the NFL Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. We are now entering the third week of training camp, and it shouldn't come as a surprise. The Seahawks are dealing with some injuries at this stage of camp. The good news, Rob, with you being at Lumen Field yesterday, aside from Penny Hart, who we'll talk about here in a minute, the Seahawks were able to get out of that first mock scrimmage without any other significant injuries, at least based on what Pete Carroll said after the practice. Yeah, and, and that obviously is is huge and very good news for the, for the Seahawks. And uh, and just to you know, before we even go down to the injury front, uh, Corbin, it, it was just what a what a great sight it was. Uh, you know, there was the, the Seahawks announced it was um, a little bit less than sixteen thousand fans who were um, in the stands at Lumen Field, the first time in twenty months that the Seahawks actually were playing football at Lumen Field in front of fans. It was that was a remarkable sight. And then as you mentioned with the no new significant injuries uh penny hart um as, as pete carroll said uh penny hart uh, turned his ankle a little quote unquote um and, and so that is a little bit disconcerting especially because hart has been very effective but for the most part it was uh very Im impressive to see that the seahawks uh, and some of their biggest stars russell wilson dk metcalf bobby wagner uh you know playing into the third quarter um you know so th this was uh you know this really was a a, a long and impressive performance by some of Seattle's biggest stars. And as you mentioned, uh, for the most part, staying healthy, although there are some injury concerns, the biggest one, in my opinion, being along the offensive line, the, the depth of the, at the left tackle position was, was sorely tested. Uh, and, and even at the, at the center position as well, Ethan Posick was the one that kind of surprised me um, walking out there and seeing them warm up and seeing Ethan Posick basically without his helmet, without his shoulder pads, it was very clear that, that Kyle Fuller, uh, you know, was going to get one heck of an opportunity to show what he could do. Posick's been dealing with a hamstring injury throughout camp. He missed the first couple of practices, and then they slowly started to get him back into the mix. He got some reps the first team in Wednesday's practice. And then Friday, he came up lame during one of their plays during a team session and did not return to the practice field, was overworking with trainers. And so I was not surprised at all to see that he did not practice on Sunday during that scrimmage. And so they need to get him healthy. You don't want to rush him back. I mean, right now, Kyle Fuller, he's gotten a lot of reps of the ones during camp, but that is a big drop-off in my opinion. 
going from Postic to Fuller. And maybe Fuller is going to be a year older. Maybe he's going to be better equipped to handle that position. But again, that's a lot of uncertainty, especially in this division with all the interior defensive line talent that there is in the NFC West. You want to get Posick healthy, so they're going to have to be cautious there, especially since he's re-aggravated a soft tissue injury. Make sure he's 100% going into the season. A few other injuries, you mentioned the tackle position. Cedric Abwehi dealing with a bicep issue. That's been something he's been dealing with for the last week or so. He did come back to practice for a few days and then still obviously having some discomfort. They're going to be cautious with him. Jamarco Jones, he missed a practice after his leg got rolled up, and now he's got back spasms. And you and I have talked about it. This is a critical camp and preseason for Jamarco Jones. He needs to get back on the field healthy. So hopefully this isn't something that's going to linger. Sometimes these back spasms can last a while. So they hope to get him back on the field Cody Barton and John Radigan have missed almost a week apiece dealing with quad and hamstring injuries. So linebacker depth has been pretty shallow the last week or so for the Seahawks. And a couple other notable injuries. Rashad Penny did not participate in yesterday's scrimmage or Saturday's practice dealing with a thigh issue. He did run yesterday, and based on what I've been told, it sounds like he's got a good chance to be back on the practice field on Tuesday for the Seahawks. So they're just being cautious with their fourth-year running back. And sounds the same for DJ Reed. He's got a slight groin strain, so they're being cautious with him. But maybe he has a chance early this week to get back as well. So not a lot of significant injuries, but I would agree with you that the situation at left tackle, because Dwayne Brown hasn't practiced yet and wants a new contract, they got to get Abwehi and Jones feeling good here going into the preseason and, and regular season, most notably. And obviously, Ethan Posick's injury. They got to get some of those guys up front feeling better before week one. Yeah, they certainly do. I mean, the offensive line is a is a concern. Um, you know, I would love to have seen Rashad Penny um, be out there on, on the field as well. But I think overall, Corbin, I think that you have to be pretty optimistic about where the, the Seahawks are at this stage. Um, and just kind of adding to that, you know, seeing their the, their top draft pick, Dwayne Eskridge, on the field um, and, and very much actively kind of participating and watching what's going on. I mean, he just looked like he was ready to to be back on the field and and be able to actually practice and uh and the same thing with ethan posick uh, I, I don't want to uh suggest that i think that he's out for any time uh that it's, it's going to be too extensive he looks like he's in terrific shape by the way uh but both of them look like they're they are ready to uh you know to to really be able to make an impact so i i don't think that there is a lot of reason to be concerned but of course as you mentioned this is a terrific uh defensive line uh division and so Seattle has to make sure that they, they get that, uh, you know, they get their injuries along the offensive line uh, squared away. But I, I was very impressed by, by the performance overall um, for both offense and defense um, in the uh, in this, this this first exhibition game. And, and don't think there's any kind of significant injuries that the Seahawks have to be too concerned about moving forward. That's good news going into the third week of the preseason. Even with Penny Hart, from what I've gathered, it sounds like, as Pete Carroll said, turned his ankle a little. He could be back by Tuesday, potentially. So they, they're not going to take chances when guys tweak their ankles or anything in games that don't matter. And so they're going to get those guys off the field when that happens. So they're hoping they can get Penny Hart back out there quick. He's had a great camp so far. I think he's maybe got the inside edge for that number three receiver spot. But as you're going to mention, uh, Freddie Swain made things a little more interesting in yesterday's mock scrimmage. So when we come back in the second quarter, going to be discussing uh, takeaways from the mock scrimmage at Lumen Field on offense and defense. Don't go away. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
your team every day. Do you know 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. Introducing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts you, the player, in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. Your name, your stakes. Winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that, and that's why it is my preferred daily fantasy sports book. You are in total control. Stat Hero is daily fantasy the way it is meant to be played, one-on-one. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free, and right now, you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. So go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Monday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang, the Seahawks conducting their first exhibition of the 2021 season, playing against each other, what they did last year with no preseason games, a mock scrimmage in front of over 16,000 fans. As you mentioned, Rob, that's an exciting development, just being able to get the fans back into Lumen Field to cheer on their team. Let's talk some observations from this scrimmage. Obviously, I was not able to attend, uh, given some things going on uh, with family, uh, taking care of that right now, but Uh, You were able to attend the scrimmage and came away with a bunch of different takeaways on offense and defense. Let's start on the offensive side of the football with Russell Wilson, who sounds like he got off to a pretty quick start in this scrimmage. Yeah, he finished 13-20 for 196 yards and was not officially credited with any touchdown passes, Corbin. But, you know, that's one of the things you have to understand about this kind of scrimmage is that Pete Carroll basically is uh, playing the role of commissioner. And so, uh, you know, rather than do any kind of replays or whatever, whenever the whistles are blown by the NFL officials who were there, then that's where the ball is placed and you're moving on. And so there were a couple of times that, that Russell Wilson looked absolutely spectacular in all pro form. He had a, a beautiful deep ball, the DK Metcalf, I believe it was the third or fourth play from scrimmage that was just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, basically an indefensible kind of a throw and catch by Metcalf. I could have gone for a touchdown. Another one uh, that he threw to, to Freddie Swain um, where the, the, that Swain was able to kind of break free from kind of an arm lock uh, from Quandre Diggs and, and scored away and that should have been ruled a touchdown in my opinion but Wilson didn't get credit for that but it's the one miss that he had early on that I really wanted to make sure I mentioned because uh you know right after the the big throw to DK Metcalf uh Wilson targeted uh Tyler Lockett who did not have a catch yesterday by the way um but targeted Tyler Lockett near the end zone and was was high and a little bit uh too far ahead in his throw and and an accurate pass there would have been an easy touchdown to Tyler Lockett because it was a uh it was a poor throw by Wilson then that thwarted a potential uh you know touchdowns uh at, at that point now Chris Carson saved the day, made a, a catch, a play later, and and rumbled in uh, one snap after that for the score. Um, but it was a good day. It wasn't a spectacular day for Russell Wilson, but it was better, I think, than the, his quote-unquote official statistics from the scrimmage would suggest. 
Yeah, taking away a couple potential touchdowns, that's typical in these mock scrimmages because there's going to always be a quick whistle, especially after what happened last year with Brandon Jackson suffering his injury and having to be taken away in an ambulance. They were trying to make sure they would avoid anything like that. So very quick whistles, a couple plays that might have gone for six, and, of course, missing to lock it in. And, again, this brings up a theme that we have seen on the practice field at the VMAC that I believe will get sorted out, but it's going to take time. They've been able the last few practices to move the ball some, but they had one practice where they had a bunch of turnovers, four fumbles and two interceptions, and then they had a practice on Friday where, again, they're moving the ball fairly well, but they're not finishing drives. They're having to settle for field goals, and Jason Myers had four of them again yesterday. And so you want to see these drives where they're able to – get down into the red zone or close to the red zone. You want to see them finish those drives and they have not been able to do that. But the one that they were able to punch the ball in the end zone, they literally did that with Chris Carson. And I was not at the scrimmage, so I can't say exactly how he looked in the field yesterday, but Rob, he just looks like he is on a different level this year. The limited snaps that he's had at training camp, they don't use him that much. And that's typical of a starting running back in the NFL. You're going to give him a handful of reps at practice But otherwise, you're going to let your other backs get the carries. You want to keep him fresh for week one. But with his new workout plan that he had instituted, a new trainer working with him, he just looks like he's always been in phenomenal shape. But it just looks like he took it to another level. And it appears to be translating to the field with a new contract in tow. Yeah, he definitely was impressive yesterday. There's no doubt about that. He fresh is, I think, is a really good word uh, to describe his his level of play. We we've said it so many times before, Corey, but all of this talk about let Russell cook and uh, you know that, that Chris Carson is the one that kind of sets the table. I mean, he just set a tone yesterday with with just how hard he hit the hole, how hard he hit would be tacklers. Uh, former University of Washington star Ben Burkirvin squared up Carson basically at about the three-yard line. And, and Carson just kept his legs driving and twisted and w- was able to barrel his way into the end zone for uh, that, that first touchdown that you, that you referenced. And again, just really set the tone for this is what Seahawks football looks like and feels like. And, and so that's one of the things that I think that uh, you know, can get lost in the stats. You know, some three-yard carries are more important than others. That was one of them. Chris Carson set the tone yesterday. One other player to note, and again, not at the scrimmage yesterday, so I didn't get to see the actual play, but you and I were talking before the show. Colby Parkinson, he just, he's a different-looking specimen on the field. (laughs) Six foot seven, 260 pounds, chiseled, outstanding athlete, really soft hands. He's been making plays throughout training camp, and it transitioned into their first scrimmage, a player that continues to raise his stock for this football team heading towards week one. Yeah, that's a perfect example of what I mean as far as the, the statistics don't don't lead you to believe, uh, you know, that they were as good as they were. Uh, in, in Parkinson's case, um, there was one real big catch that he made in tight coverage against Ryan Neal. Um, Geno Smith was was uh, throwing the ball, and it was it was a fourth down play. Um, uh, and, and, and Parkinson was initially covered well by Neal, but, but used uh, his quickness and was able to kind of drift a little bit further away. A beautiful throw by, by, by Geno Smith, and then Parkinson just put on the Jets and was able to scoot for a 
I believe it was about 19 yards. I mean, it was a really impressive play by a big, big man. So you just think about some of the defensive backs and linebackers in this NFC West division, how aggressive defenses are. If the Seahawks can find a reliable weapon at tight end, whoever that might be, and we've talked, this might be a three-headed monster that the Seahawks have between Parkinson, Disley, and Gerald Everett, of course, that that could be a really open up Seattle's offense and make their, their offense that much more explosive than one that was set in records a year ago. And he really looks like he runs faster than a four, seven, seven. Cause that was his 40 yard dash time going to the draft, but he just, he always surprises you with how fast he runs. He really does. And so it, it's exciting. It's an exciting development for the Seahawks, especially with his red zone capabilities. Now let's get to the defense real quick. I want to start with a play that I did see because the Seahawks were nice enough to actually post it on their social media. And that is Puna Ford, the Puna Hive, rejoicing as the big fella rumbles for a touchdown after recovering a fumble. And poor Josh Johnson needs to know the play. He clearly was not ready for the pitch from Geno Smith and ended up bobbling, goes to the ground. And of course, Puna Ford used to be a fullback in high school, a really good athlete for his size. He scooped it up, goes to the end zone, and scores. So those are the only two touchdowns on the day. Puna Ford returning a fumble and Chris Carson powering his way in for the score. But it was a nice way to cap off this scrimmage with Puna Ford once again showing, hey, I'm going to be a breakout player this year, getting the touchdown. Yeah, it was a pretty remarkable feat of athleticism by by Puna Ford. And, and people kind of chuckle when you say that because, I mean, all he did was scoop and score. But you, you think about it. I mean, that's a big man moving at a high rate of speed who picks it up with a, in one fluid motion, uh, grabs the ball, and is able to, to scoop a score. I mean, it made for kind of an exciting moment. And to me, it really was a theme of the, the scrimmage, Corbin. It's just the fact that, that Seattle's vaunted and very, very talented defensive line simply – overwhelmed Seattle's, uh, you know, kind of injury depleted offensive line at times. And that's got to be very concerning for Russell Wilson. It's why it's not at all surprising that he was touting uh, the Seahawks uh, extending left tackle Dwayne Brown in, in the, the post scrimmage press conference. Um, but to me, that was one of the things it wasn't just Puna Ford. Puna Ford was fantastic. Al Woods had a nice play uh, where he was able to bat down a ball at the line of scrimmage. Carlos Dunlap was unstoppable at times, uh, you know, and, and so it, it's it almost felt like, uh, you know, whoever Seattle wanted to target along the offensive line, perhaps with the exception of the guards, Damian Lewis and Gabe Jackson, that, that they were able to do so at, at times yesterday. And again, that, that it's exciting that the, the Seattle's defense, but they also obviously need to get healthier along the offensive line. I think the other thing that's worth noting, it sounds like it was an up and down day for the secondary because Pierre Desir has had a really good camp, but he got a little bit of a dose of a Chris Carson stiff arm in yesterday's scrimmage. And Akella Witherspoon with a couple of passes defense, he probably, aside from DJ Reed, has been the most consistent corner that they've had. But I found your notes interesting because I think a guy that none of us are talking about enough is Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers has had a couple of really good practices over the last week. He kind of was quiet early on, but I don't think that necessarily was a criticism of him. He wasn't getting targeted very much. And as you mentioned in your write-up after the scrimmage, he was just all over the receivers that he was defending yesterday. And so none of the quarterbacks were testing him at all. So maybe, maybe we have overlooked the possibility that in his fourth season in the league, a guy that we got to remember came in as a safety 
converting to corner that that maybe just maybe Trey Flowers can still be a quality starter on this defense, especially with the competition bringing out the best in him. Yeah, I think that's absolutely a possibility. I mean, I, I, I let me just say this first about Witherspoon. I I was really really impressed by him yesterday. Uh, just his his quickness, his fluidity, uh, turning and locating the football, really using his length to his advantage. Uh, you know, this was my, you know, I hadn't gone to any of the training camp practices or anything. This is my first, um, you know, real uh, opportunity to see him um, in pads for the Seahawks. And I could not have been uh, more impressed with, with how he performed, but, but Trey Flowers as well. Uh, and, and Flowers, at least from what I remember, Corbin, I, I saw him uh, going up on, you know, against Tyler Lockett at times. And as I mentioned before, Lockett did not have a reception uh, yesterday. And a, a short, quick receiver, um, route running master that, that Lockett is, um, that should be basically a kryptonite to a, a, a long-limbed corner like Trey Flowers, especially when making that transition, as you mentioned, from safety. And, and yet Trey Flowers, I thought, really played well. Pete Carroll was just gushing about the way that the flowers has been performing all throughout training camp because as i mentioned i haven't been there but you know that's the thing i mean when a, when a corner is not getting his name mentioned very often that's usually a good thing um, yep. and, and trey flowers of course has the most starting experience so I, I think that this cornerback position remains seattle's most intriguing one but that doesn't mean it doesn't have talent the, you know, the fact that Pete Carroll has been able to turn over uh, that secondary as often as he has during his time with the Seahawks, I think should give Seahawks fans a lot of confidence that they have young superstars that just no, most of us don't know the names of just yet. When we come back in the third quarter, a player that we didn't mention in the second quarter that had a pretty solid mock scrimmage for the Seahawks, Kate Johnson, I had a chance to chat with him last week, a really fascinating story about his journey from South Dakota State to the NFL, joining the Seahawks and following in the footsteps of another undrafted receiver that found some success in Seattle. I'll be sharing a portion of that interview when we come back for the third quarter. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Are you looking for a way to boost your workout game? Are you seeking a delicious protein bar without the sugar and carbs? Enter in the Built Bar, 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Some of the best ones, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, apple almond crisp, peanut butter, double chocolate. You're going to have a tough time eating just one. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew. It's great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for a keto diet. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Monday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. As we all know, 
2020 was an extremely difficult difficult year for everyone. College sports, professional sports, high school sports were impacted tremendously by the COVID-19 pandemic. And, and I would make an argument, obviously high school kids probably were affected more than anyone. I, I can't imagine what seniors and even the junior class coming in in high school, what they dealt with. But college kids last year, especially your seniors at the FCS level, not having a season until the spring. Some of those teams didn't even have a season at all. And your smaller divisions didn't play any games. So it was a lost season for many of these players. And one of those players that was impacted tremendously by this was receiver Cade Johnson at South Dakota State. One of the most productive receivers at any level of college football in the previous two seasons. He ultimately decided not to play his senior year when it was moved to the spring started preparing for the NFL draft, and unfortunately did not get drafted. I had a chance to chat with him last week at training camp. He's been with the Seahawks now for a couple of weeks, seems to be getting his footing. And before we get to the interview real quick, Rob, I'm going to say this. He did have three catches for 24 yards in the mock scrimmage yesterday. He had two touchdowns in practice last week. It does seem like Johnson, a player who's been a popular pick to be the undrafted rookie that makes this team, it seems like he's starting to get some momentum to be able to potentially compete for one of those spots by the end of camp. Yeah, I think he absolutely uh, helped his stock, Corbin, with his performance uh, in Sunday scrimmage. As you mentioned, three catches for 24 yards. That, that tied him uh, with DK Metcalf. Um, among others, to, for the team lead in receptions, and it's not just the numbers because we know, you know, having watched enough, uh, you know, early preseason games, and those games, of course, are different than scrimmages. But sometimes you, you'll see players that you know rack up statistics that don't really mean a lot. It was the style of play that Kate Johnson demonstrated that, to me, was one of the most exciting things about. It. And I'll give you one uh, play in particular. Uh, it was a quick little bubble screen, and and, and Johnson really. Uh, you know, once he caught the ball, he exploded upfield. And you consider this is a 5'10", 185-pound player uh, that, that just showed the initial burst and the courage that, that he demonstrated. That's exactly the type of hunger that you want an undrafted free agent to demonstrate. And as you had mentioned, Corbin, he was incredibly productive. He was very productive at the Senior Bowl. He was good in workouts as well. Kate Johnson absolutely has a chance uh, to, if not make this roster, then be one of those players who, you know, we, we've seen the Seahawks and, and their deep rosters in the past where sometimes guys get released and they wind up signing somewhere else. I think Kate Johnson has an NFL future. I agree with you. And he was a lot of fun to interview, very candid about his experiences, opened up on the hard decision that he had to make, whether he was going to play his senior season or not in the spring or prepare for the draft and his road to getting to that point. I think all of our listeners are really going to enjoy getting a chance to get to know Kate Johnson. Enjoy the interview. Kate, how are you? Man? Good. How are you? Good. Good. How's the first training camp going for you? Man, so far it's just, it's a big learning, learning curve, but I mean, I'm enjoying it a lot um, just to be able to play football again. Obviously, my senior year got taken away, so it's nice to just be able to come out here and strap up with the guys and just run around. And, you know, it, it just feels good to be back on the football field. So. You mentioned the learning curve. Every rookie seems like they have a little different answer in regard to what that means to them. But, you know, you've only had a couple padded practices, but so far, what would have been the biggest learning curve for you? Um, I would just say, like, the tempo of the offense. Obviously, just having Russ back there, he's done it for so long and been at a really high level doing it. So, 
um, you know, the expectations are really high. And, you know, us rookies come in, come in we just got to be sponges and learn from the guys. You know, thankfully for us, we got DK and Tyler in our in our room, along with uh, guys like Freddie and Ju, I mean, those guys are really good about um, you know echoing out that information and getting us all um, under the same um, you know under the same wavelength. So I mean, it, it's uh, it's tough, but you know I got really good teachers and coaches in front of me, so it makes it easier. You mentioned missing out on your senior season. I know that was extremely difficult for athletes at all levels, especially the high school kids. Yeah. Was it a difficult decision for you when South Dakota State announced they were moving the season in spring? Was it a tough choice for you to decide, you know what, I'm going to bypass this and start fighting for the draft? Yeah, I mean, it was like, it was super hard for me because at first, um, you know, guys, it was so much uncertainty with whether there was going to be any football played at all last year. And so, um, you know, it was a tough decision, but at the end of the day, I leaned on my family a lot and asked for um, just the right path. and. Just to be able to, you know, let loose and know I didn't make any regrets. So I just put my best foot forward when it came to that. Um, you know, it was tough having a spring season and watching them go to the first national championship in school history. But uh, I'm proud of my guys, and I know they're proud of me. And um, you know, my coaches at South Dakota State still still support me, and uh, they let me know that whatever decision I made was the right one. So um, you know, everybody's been supportive of me and my decision. So it's made it a lot easier for me. Yeah, I was going to ask you whether that was bittersweet or not, seeing them actually break through, because I know you guys were so close. Yeah, so yeah, it was definitely bittersweet, but I know this year um, they're even hungrier since they lost in that game, but uh, it was it was, it was was tough. Like, I really, like, my whole college career, I mean, I went to two semifinals and been so close to that game, and then just to finally see them, you know, break over the, the edge the year I leave was, it was a little bittersweet, but I'm, I'm proud of them nonetheless, so. Well, they were making that run. You're obviously trying to gear up for the draft and participate in the senior bowl, do really well there. What was the experience like trying to prepare for the draft amid a pandemic? Obviously, things are starting yeah. to dribble a yeah. It was interesting for me because I started the whole process like two, three months earlier than everyone else. So, thankfully for me, I was uh, I was a, I'm a part of Athletes First. Um, so uh, Tyler Lockett and uh, a bunch of guys like Jalen Ramsey and them. So so our group of guys came in early. And um, thankfully for me, they had a bunch of Pac-12 um, guys who had opted out of the season, like Joe Tryon and Javon Holland and all those guys. So just being down there with like guys like Panay Sewell um, before like the season was even over, it was it was good like work for all of us just to be able to push each other. And then once all the guys started trickling in, and you had like the J.C. Horns and Kyle Pitts and Michael Micah Parsons, it was just it was a great experience. And just to see you know the, those kind of level of rookies, you know that are coming in making direct impacts um, you know it, it was uh, it was a good learning curve for me and uh, just being able to soak all that in and you know at the end of the day like I'm always myself like I'm always going to be myself and who I am as a person so I mean it wasn't that big of an adjustment but it was definitely a, a good experience for me. Let's go to draft weekend obviously coming out of the senior bowl I know reading a lot of stuff most people are projecting an early day three. Yeah three yeah. Um, I'd watch all your tapes thought maybe third round even, and then you go the entire seven rounds, never hear your name. What was that experience? Like, were you surprised? Yeah, I mean, yeah, my agent was was really shocked because we uh, had talked to a lot of teams beforehand and got really good feedback, but, 
you know, at the end of the day, I think it's it's kind of storybook for me because I was a walk-on in college, and, um, you know, I've always been undersized, and I just feel like, you know, I'm a big believer, and I just feel like God had a had a story for me and a path for me. So uh, regardless of what happened, I mean, I kind of just accepted it uh, for what it was. And, you know, all it takes is just an opportunity. So I was just glad that I had opportunities um, to go off and a lot of teams showed interest and stuff like that. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I can't control that. Um, you know, I had a tough uh, break with Pro Day and pulling my growing my first 40. And I think that really hurt me a lot. But I mean, at the end of the day, like I love it here in Seattle, and um, it's it's crazy because Coach uh, Nate Carroll he texted me in like after the fourth round, and he said I don't expect you to be on the board very much longer, but if you happen to slip to free agency, uh, we'd love to have you here in Seattle. And I think that was just kind of it was a sign, and I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I love talking to both the Carrolls on draft day and. They definitely got my attention, and what they got going on here in Seattle is special, and I wanted to be a part of it. So, you've drawn some comparisons to Doug Baldwin and Golden Tate, two former Seahawks receivers, and Baldwin in particular went the undrafted route when he came here. Have you studied either one of those players' games uh, before, and looking at your skill set compared to them? Yeah. Where do you see yourself comparing? Yeah, that that's like that was huge for me, like just in the whole process before, like I even uh, thought I would go to the Seattle. Like I was watching guys like. Doug Baldwin, uh, like the Wes Welkers, just a uh, short, uh, stocky guys in the slot that can make a move and get open. And um, I mean, I really I watched a lot of them. And before I went to the Senior Bowl, I was able to work out with T.J. Husmanzada and um, just guys like that that just have had um, a knack to just getting open and finding the ball. And uh, you know, Doug Baldwin, he's he was he's the elite elite of his craft and how he's his release is able to get open and how he sets people. So I really like to work on that stuff and watch guys like that. Um, Devontae Adams is another huge one I watch. And obviously Tyler, um, you know, I've got a lot of comparisons to him and just signing to the same agency. I've been able to watch a lot of Tyler's stuff. So. I want to ask you real quick. I've noticed in social media you have a very strong connection with your hometown. And I saw Bellevue at first. I'm like, this kid's not a Washington kid. <laughs> I feel like there's a Bellevue, Nebraska. Like, yeah. What has it meant to you to be able to go back now that you have made it to this point, you've at least gotten a chance to compete in NFL training camp? Yeah. How important is it to you to, to give back to your community yeah. and the people that helped you get there? Yeah, I mean, it's everything. I love my community. Um, it's My community is always showing me love and um, just being able to reciprocate that. Um, at the end of the day, I just feel like Nebraska is a really underlooked state. Um, there's a lot of talent there that people don't realize, uh, you know, like the people that come out of there and uh, just how we work for everything and stuff like that. So it's just a blessing to be able to go back and be in the position I am because, you know, one day or I mean, I used to be that little kid uh, undersized going to those camps, uh, always just, you know, not confident, not as confident in myself as the bigger kids. But, um, you know, I love like just going back and seeing all those faces and Bellevue West is, is just, you know, I, it's a joy whenever I'm able to go back and talk to my high school coach. Uh, we have a really close relationship and, um, you, you know, my dad's still really involved with the whole community and stuff like that. So it just makes it all sweet and I love it. So. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. 
Check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. When we return for our Tuesday show, Rob and I will be answering your questions in our weekly mailbag segment. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Go Hawks.